0: Hey, this is Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures TV. We have had a great run showing our love for dogs with our show, our podcast, our social media, and all that is based on Soggy Acres Retrievers. We proudly bring this podcast to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers and ask you, if you are looking for training, boarding, or a yellow, black, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies please check out SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures and Soggy Acres Retrievers. In our house, my wife hates having the plastic kennels and wire crates. We need them for the dogs because we have times when they need to be put somewhere, but she cannot stand the look. So we talked to DCT Kennels, And we now have a new partnership with them for a product that is a crate, but also a piece of furniture. If you want something that is practical, as well as great looking, check out DCT Kennels. All right, let's start over. Hey, welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures page. I am your host, Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers. (laughs) And we are here on Dog Talk Live. So we try to do these occasionally so that we are making certain that uh, we hit them at least a couple times a week. And it is something that is fun for us because it lets us connect with our fans. So please join us. Let us know what questions you have. And let's have a good Dog Talk Live. I am trying to figure out how all this stuff works because I changed Dog Talk Live. So do give me a second. Let's see here. We're trying to figure out where the questions are. And uh, let's see, we'll go to the dashboard. There we go. So put your questions up as a comment. And then uh, let us know what we can help you with today. You can find our new podcast on Apple, uh, where it's on the address just listed. And you can find out more information on us at our website, soggyacres.com. We are Soggy Acres Retrievers here at the Sporting Dog Adventures Network. Uh, we have channels all over the place in social media. We still have our TV show up on Carbon TV, on Facebook, in different places at different times, on <coughs> YouTube, and on Rumble. Uh, we've got our network coverage in the state of Wisconsin where we still run our reruns, and we are going to be putting up videos that are basically cell phone worthy videos uh, of different products and things that we use. So keep an eye on that. Please check us out and let us know what questions you have. Again, there's a lot of different stuff here on Facebook, so it is a tough one trying to figure out all of this while a dog talk live is on and going from there. Um, Again, let us know what questions you guys have today. Let us know how we can help you with your dogs. It is nearing July 1st. This is the hardest time of year for dog trainers because, at least up in the northern part of the country, you train from spring through summer, and then hunting season comes, so most people take their dogs home. So you aren't training dogs. So we're now entering that home stretch of running hunt tests and getting dogs ready for hunting season. And it's just brutal. All you can think about is hunting. You're working with the dogs. You're enjoying working with the dogs, but at the same time, you're thinking about hunting. And then you've got all that other fun stuff like paperwork and everything else that comes with having a business. And it creates the, uh, the uh, desire <laughs> to just get everything done. So my dogs right now, the group of dogs I have in, we've just finished up doing our force fetch. We're working on our hold conditioning and trying to put it all together out in the field. I would say you follow a, a case by case as you're working with dogs. A lot of it depends on where the dogs are at and how the dogs are working. So it is something where we are taking the dogs out. Today is a Monday. I'll take the dogs out. I'll work with them. And I'll figure out, in essence, what we need to work with. What we need to work on to get them to the next step. Um, Hopefully we can get the dogs by the end of this week doing a full retrieve and coming into hand. If not, coming into sitting at heel. I'd say about half the dogs are there. Uh, the other half are very close. When you're working with dogs, a lot of it comes down to just having confidence. And a lot of that just comes down to experience. I uh, talk to people often that are really struggling and they're like, my dog's just not getting it. And my answer to people when they're doing force fetchy collar conditioning and all the groundwork on their dog is, if you feel like your dog's not responding and that it's never going to happen, you're probably doing it right. Just trust the process. Keep working with the pressure, keep working with a lot of praise, and eventually it will click. And really, it comes down to that. One day, the dogs just click, they turn on, and you get them to where you need them to be. Again, Dog Talk Lives are only as good as the questions we have. So please, put up some questions for us in the comments. Just type them in as a comment and hit go. And let me know what what I can help you with today. What we can help you with as we work toward getting your dogs ready for the upcoming season. Uh, As far as my dogs, we had two dogs run hunt tests this weekend. Our dog uh, uh, Ace and Tank, they both have their HRCH titles. Uh, They both passed two tests this weekend in the HRC and we're hopefully getting them ready so that when the fall grand comes we can put that all together and they both have one pass we can get that second pass and get titles on those dogs. Uh, Tank will also be running AKC, running some master tests. Uh, Ace already has its master title. I do not run my dogs in the Master National just because um, it just, boy, they're usually held way, way far away. I think the next two of them are held over on on the West Coast. So it's just such a long, long process of getting the dogs there. And also with the HRC stuff, uh, the dogs do not have to pass a certain amount of tests. They have to have their HRCH title to run in the grand, so you don't have to run them in as many tests. So it comes down to a cost-benefit analysis. Uh, When you run the Master National, you have to have a certain amount of tests in that year, which means you have to, one, get into those tests, two, run those tests, and three, have them pass a certain number of tests, which if you couple that with the HRC stuff, the dog would basically be running every weekend. And that gets quite pricey. But it also is harder on the dogs because when you're running every weekend over and over and over again, you're basically putting them in a position where they're going to get loose at times and it doesn't give you the chance to tighten them up. So it's picking one or the other. I don't know many that do both with their dogs. As far as... Uh, I, Plenty of people run the HRC and run AKC. Uh, but I don't know many that run the Master National, as well as the Grand. So it's I think it's almost a pick your poison and, and kind of going from there. Uh, please let me know what questions you have. Our Dog Talk Lives usually run about 15 minutes and we will, uh, at that point, uh, do a last call for questions. Um, if you're watching this after the fact, feel free to put up questions uh, that you may come up with and we can try to help you from there uh, once this Dog Talk Live is over. But... We only have so much to talk about, so if we're going to do Dog Talk Lives, we definitely need questions. Mr. Speck, how are you doing this morning? Good to see you. Hey, when you guys check in, let us know where you're from. Let us know what kind of dog you have. Um, Always interesting to see where people are at. We stopped doing the Dog Talk Lives just because I got too busy and we could say possibly lazy, but just really busy. So didn't have time for it. Focused more on the podcast. As of right now, what we're doing is we are going to hopefully get these up and do them more often. Uh, Once we have the Dog Talk Lives really rolling, it's always interesting because we have people from all over the world. Uh, Canada, (laughs) usually Great Britain, Ireland, New Zealand, and different places like that. Good morning, Tina. Good to see you on the show. Uh, Again, your basis for your training, your e-collar conditioning, your hunting obedience, and your condition to retrieve... Those are going to take you about six, six weeks. You need to get those done in your training before you go out and really work with the dogs in the field because you're building the base of your house. Those are the st- Those steps are the ones that trainers don't like and especially owners don't like because it's just not fun. It's elbow grease. It's putting pressure on the dog. The dog's not having fun. You're not having fun. So people tend to skip through that stuff. But if you don't really put a good base on your dog, you'll build up your dog as like a building. And if the foundation is rotten, it'll come crumbling down. So it is something that you need to work on those things and then also keep up those standards while you're working with the dogs in the field so that you are hitting on those those key things so that when you're moving on to multiple retrieves and you're moving on to blind retrieves and handling, the dogs are completely under control and you can build your house up. Hello, Roberto from Argentina. Good to see you, man. It's first, the first time we've had Argentina in quite a while. Uh, if you guys have not watched our podcast, or not watched or listened to our podcast, please check it out uh, and on iTunes. I've got the link here in the comments section. Uh, I'm going to start doing our podcast also on YouTube uh, so that we have a little more YouTube comment or, uh, content. I've tried running and doing the YouTube as well as the podcast and Facebook, and for whatever reason, YouTube crashes when I try it. So we're going to switch to where we do the Dog Talk Lives on the podcast. We're recording that right now, so you guys are part of the podcast. And then we are going to switch to the point where our normal podcasts are going to be held on YouTube through our computer and on the podcast on my phone. So, hope that makes sense, but should give us a little more content all over. The other thing we started doing is posting our puppy videos onto our YouTube channel. We always have them here on Facebook, put them on Instagram. I put one on YouTube and it did like, gosh, it's at like 1100 views. So, not a huge reach, but still. Not bad for uh, for a video that we just did on a cell phone, so we're going to start throwing those up on YouTube as well. Uh, YouTube.com slash SportingDogAdventuresTV is the channel. Hello, Hector. Good to see you from deep south Texas. I bet you it's warm there, albeit it's warm all over the country right now. And it is something that uh, we're all getting to feel what Hector's normal weather is, which you can have it. I like 75, 80 degrees. That's what we have here today. Uh, it's a little rainy. It's going to rain till about noon, but uh, it's it's a nice weather. It's nice for getting the dogs out, and getting them running. So that was, let's see, our first part. We really need some help here with questions. I always, if you see me writing down, I'll pause. I use that for a break for our. <coughs> I use that for a break for our uh, uh, podcast, so I can stick stuff in. So that is uh, when you see me pause. It's not that I'm in deep thought. It's that I'm putting a pause and then writing it down so that I know where it's at. Matthew Speck, my dogs are harder on dove and quail versus ducks. They seem to roll them in their mouth as they return. The meat is not damaged, defeathered, full of slobber, but are force-fetched. Matthew, if you have dogs that roll the birds in their mouth, what you can do is just revisit your force-fetch every year and start them out in the summer. Take a bunch of your birds, put them in the freezer, take them out, thaw them, and then work with the dogs walking at heel on leash, uh, telling them to hold or even doing retrieves. But I would have them on leash when you're working on that or even up on a force table or the the back of your pickup uh, uh, truck, have them up on a raised surface so that you have control of them so that you can tell them to hold. I would bump the bottom of their mouth, tell them, hold, good, hold, hold. And make sure that they are holding stuff so that they can be in appreciation for that, uh, uh, for that uh, uh, what they're supposed to do. Jasper, thank you for sending over some stars. We uh, we are we are signed up here where we can get stars on Facebook, which stars are a way that you actually I guess reward people that do live stuff with monetary help. Um, we also have the ability to sign up monthly through our uh through our our podcast on anchor and then go from there yeah uh, jasper says hopefully hopefully uh you got a lot of rain jasper we did get quite a bit of rain in the last week i think we were down like six or seven inches um it's nice because I'm the guy at the bottom of the hill. I have all wetlands, so it's dried our wetlands out uh, quite a bit. One thing that it has done is uh, in the last two weeks, we got about two and a half inches. So it's brought our water back up to a low level. Uh, I hope it stays about there. It, it's kind of weird. I've got this uh, site that is it's a river right by my one property on the Fox River in Wisconsin. And it tells me how high the water is. And historically, it seems like we get a lot of rain in the fall. So my hope is that we can kind of stay where we're at now because there's a good level of water where it's a good hunting level. And then we can, uh, we can make sure that uh, it doesn't get too wet. I know a lot of guys have really enjoyed the, the, a lot of sheet water here in Wisconsin uh, for hunting because you could hunt farm fields that were flooded basically. My hope is that we have normal rain from here out, and it's again the, the fields look good. We got enough rain that the uh, the crops are looking good, so hopefully we can just get normal rain now the rest of the year. That'll bring our levels up some, so we'll have a good hunting season, but not so much that we have sheet water and, and ponds everywhere, including in the uh, farm fields. Uh, let's see, Hector, what do you think about the dogs that are being bred now? Seems like they're breeding dogs that are sensitive but are, but are smart, not needing much pressure to make them work. Hector, it is something that I guess it depends on what your standard is. When you talk about dogs that are sensitive uh, but smart and doing well, um, I think a lot of it is people's training methods are different. I think the saying that you don't need much pressure to make them work it all depends on the type of work you're looking at. You have about 90 to 95% of the country that thinks that a dog dropping four feet in front of you is a full retrieve, uh, where they're not having dogs come in and sit at heel, or at least deliver a hand at minimum, and it's not putting pressure on them. And from that point, if you're taking a dog that is superior genetics and loves to run and loves to do stuff, but is low on obedience and low on correction, you are not as much handle or not as much training as you are just handling. You're handling the dog to the level that the dog is allowing, and you're not putting the dog in a position where they're being forced to do what you want to the level you want and being a teammate. Jeff Fuller again from Saggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mac Outdoors have reloading supplies, as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared to so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. Our great fans of the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are growing at an astronomical rate, and I want to thank you all. I do ask one thing from you. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please give us a thumbs up. Follow us. Subscribe to us on whatever other platforms you're on. And the most important thing I can ask, share our podcast with your friends so that we can grow our love for the dogs and dogs in the field and make it so that people are more involved in our sport. Again, thank you so much for being listeners. Take care. Uh, You will notice that when you go out in public hunting areas, it seems like probably about, I'd say 75 to 90% of all dogs seem like they have the same name as guys are yelling, damn it. And it is because they are yelling at the dogs because so they're not listening. I would say that the use of e-collars is very common. So we don't have dogs that are running completely out of a spread or completely uh, too far ahead in upland hunting. But overall, uh, I don't think dogs are necessarily more sensitive I think that their breeding is such and e-collars are such that we're able to control them without finishing all their training. So that would just be my opinion. But again, I can't see the dogs that you're working with um, and, and, and obviously the dogs that your, your friends are running. Um, it is always common because we are putting ourselves in a position um, with our dogs to work with them as teammates. And that does take time. Uh, I've gotten in... Oh my goodness, probably six dogs this year for training where the folks took them out hunting and then called me because the dog just won't do this when I have him out hunting. You know, I wanted to get an experience. It's a misnomer that we are training a dog when we take them around out and let them run around, in, in my opinion, like an idiot in many in many ways. They are bred to hunt. They're going to have the drive to hunt. Training is actually when we're bringing them in, and it's if you can think of it like a horse analogy, because it's easiest to, to, to give, you're pulling on the reins so that that horse is walking for you in the way you want. Dogs are the same way. We need to pull the reins in so that they are finishing retrieves. They're not leaving until their name is given. They're staying in range and all that good stuff. But very good question, and again, hard to... uh uh, suggest one way or the other because I'm not looking at the dogs you're working with. Again, great question. Let me know what questions you have. If you guys want to send us some stars, uh, feel free. Plop them on over. We'd love to uh, get some help. Any financial help that we have, uh, we basically put back into our show and into our platform. So when we make money on our podcast, we will upgrade what we have as far as products. When we make money on here, we'll probably use it to advertise and boost our posts so that we can get more people involved, dogs and dogs in the field. All right. (laughs) So again, we're at 15 minutes, which is awesome. And it is helping us get to the point where uh, we are got a good show. Keep up the questions. We're going to be... Going until we run out of questions. So again, we run between 15 to 30 minutes on our Dog Talk Lives. How do you like your dogs to look to be considered best weight? Jasper, it's not as much look. So I explain this to customers and clients that have their dogs in all the time. People get the thought process that their dog is muscular when they're wide. When as they could be, it all depends on how the dog feels on their ribs. If you... Have a dog where you can barely see their back rib, that is the perfect weight. When you rub your hand along the dog's side, not pushing down, but just rubbing it along their side on their ribs, and you can feel their ribs, that is at a good weight. When you can see all their ribs sticking out, they're they're light. So it's having them at that good weight so that they're not carrying extra weight in the field. I know guys will try to say that dogs need to be big and heavy because they need to stay. Uh, Stay warm when they're duck hunting. What I'll tell you is that we personalize the weight on our dogs to ourselves which is wrong dogs carry weight much better than people do and When you look at weight, I have a dog her name is Memphis. She is 50 pounds when Memphis is 55 pounds Yes, it's only five pounds, but she is 10 percent overweight. So she was 60 pounds 20 percent overweight so that is like me having 40 extra pounds on me Think of what that does to the dog's joints. Think of what that does to their ligaments and tendons and their overall health, as well as their longevity. They have many studies out there uh, to study... Uh, ACL injuries um, on dogs, and it's not even an ACL. I believe it's a LCL or whatever it is on a dog. But knee injuries on dogs, and they're looking for genetic components of knee injuries on dogs. I'm sure there's somewhat of a genetic component, and I'm sure that we can find that. But if you ask a good vet with dogs that are injuring their 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 uh, ligaments on their back knees, if the dog is overweight, about ninety percent of those dogs are. Overweight and many of them are obese. So again You have a joint it has a ligament it only can support so much weight according to how the dog is built and when we're putting an extra 20 30 40 percent on our dogs that is going to cause those to fail and then people will have both dog uh, both sides have to be repaired because then they don't get weight off their dog to get the surgery done and now the dog is still overweight still 20 30 40 percent overweight and all that pressure is on just one good knee so again it's not necessarily about how the dog looks it's about what the proper weight is which is the easiest way to tell would be to rub their sides and be able to feel their ribs and just be able to see that back rib on the dog they should have a nice shape so that they aren't just straight down their whole body Hey, this is Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I want you to know that we buy all of our trucks at Boucher Automotive. We go to Janesville, they've got a great selection, great staff. If you're looking for a new truck or car, check out our friends at Boucher Automotive in Janesville. I hope that helps. We're going to do a last call on questions. So, last call on any questions that you may have. And great ones today. Again, I'm going to try to do this every week. If you missed this and you want to put up a question uh, and it's not live no, any, any longer, please click into comments, put a question up. I always come back and check. Uh, if you want to listen to this uh, when you're driving um, if, and you can't uh, pull up Facebook, feel free to go to our, uh, our uh, podcast page. Now We've got the link up on Apple here. We're also on the Anchor app and on Spotify. It's the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. It's, it's something that's fun to do. Uh, never thought I would monetize it. We're starting to get a little push now because we have a good social media base. And we're starting to make a little bit of uh, people supporting us through stars here on Facebook uh, like Jasper did as well as people that are uh, giving monthly to the podcast. All we're going to do with that is turn that money around, put it back into our show so that we can hopefully help get more people involved in the sport that we love, more people involved with dogs in the field. So again, we're gonna end our show now and we are going to, uh, going to uh just leave it at that. If you have questions, please put them back up. I do want to thank everyone for stopping into our Dog Talk Live today. Everyone have a great day. I guess the rain's gonna stop, so I have to go out and work with dogs. But take care and God bless. Thank you. Boarding dog adventures run, boy, run Everything you need is here under the sun